0: All right. Welcome to episode 1031 of the Multifamily Collective, formerly known as the Apartment Hacker, uh, where we tease out human potential in the multifamily space. And yes, we have changed our name. We are rebranding. We are now the Multifamily Collective, and I'll talk more about that in future episodes. But I'm very excited to welcome our our first guest on the Multifamily Collective, uh, Mr. Dom Beveridge. Dom is a principal at D2 Demand Solutions and has more than 20 years' experience in leadership and consulting roles in revenue management, sales, and marketing. Uh, before joining D2, Dom spent six years working multifamily, uh, with multifamily companies in a variety of roles with Rainmaker Group until and through the company's sale to RealPage Incorporated. Dom was previously a strategy consultant with Cap uh, Gemini. I hope I pronounced that correctly, Ernst Young, after spending much of his early career designing and implementing revenue management systems and consulting projects with Talus Solutions, creators of LRO, um, Magna Logistics, I think, uh, Incorporated, and JDA Software Incorporated. Dom, welcome. Thank you. Uh, Good to be here. Yep, definitely. Dom, I, uh, I met you a couple of years ago, I think, at Optech, and I think we were down in Orlando at the time. And you and Donald were putting together, uh, collecting and curating data to publish the first version of the 2420. 20. It was going to be your uh, first edition, and we did a bit of an interview, and I was very intrigued by what you were doing at the time. And I know you've done, I think, two additional versions of 20. For 20. Uh, what I'd love to talk about today is your, I guess, third installment of that. Uh, so maybe we could start by telling us a little bit about wh- why that came to be a publication that you thought worthy of publishing and putting out into the multifamily space. And then we'll talk about findings from 2020 and certainly what's happening in 2021.
1: Yeah, sure. But I mean, the, the way we got started with it back in 2019, um, I, I've known Donald Davidoff, whose company D2 is, for years. Um, I had just um, uh, joined uh, his team. We were heading to Optech, and we thought, um, let's let's you know, we want to meet with a bunch of people. What should we talk about? Um, so we, we we started off there, and um, and we 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 just kind of had this idea that well, everyone at Optech is getting pitched all week long by technology vendors. Why don't we just say? We want to ask you a few questions about what's top of your mind um, and whatever we find out, we're going to turn it into like a white paper or something. So it's quite an informal, loose, loose thing. And in fact, that was what I think I, I reached out to you with um, uh, in the first instance. And so we, we put together a, a sort of questionnaire. We started talking to people. And after running a few of the interviews, we, we just thought, th- th- this is really interesting content. Like we're finding out lots of stuff that we didn't know. Lots of these things are counterintuitive. We, th- th- they're not the thing that you get when you walk around the, the, the trade show floor. A lot of people are telling us quite different um, things. Um, maybe we should uh, we, we should try and be a slightly more formal in, 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 in making this a bit more researchy and a bit less sort of conversational. So what we decided after Optech was finished, that we we, we said let's 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 get up to twenty people. If it's ten CIOs and ten CIOs, that's actually quite a decent set of people. If you're asking them the same questions, you're going to get quite a strong sense of what what things are a trend and what things are, are, are outliers. Um, we then sat down and chewed through all of that stuff, and um, and we we yeah we we found that it yielded a ton of, uh, uh, of information. Uh, we wrote it up as a formal white paper. Uh, it got a really, really good response, and and it's been something we've done in, in each of the following two years.
0: Yeah, I, I will tell you, I uh, I remember being a part of that first paper, and then reading the finished product. And I think to your point, the thing that struck me about it is that it was more practical in nature. So you walk that floor to your point, and. People are selling the future and trying to sell solutions against problems that the multifamily space didn't even know they had in some cases. <laughs> and and I think your paper really grounded a lot of that sort of media effort and marketing effort. Not to discount any of those technologies because I certainly think they'll find their place in, in multifamily. But I really appreciate that about your approach to the to the paper. It was very well grounded and certainly the the cross mix of the two groups um, certainly uh, lent a little bit of. Lent to a little bit of a debate, so to speak, in, in some cases, but uh, good stuff. Um, so fast forward to today's version. Um, I'm certainly interested in what you learned from 2020, certainly in the context of COVID uh, being in the marketplace uh, or in the world. And then maybe we can shift gears from there and, and speak to the top priorities that you see for 2021.
1: Yeah, well, we um, – so, so each of the last two years, we've we've kind of modified the questions that we've asked. Like, um, we, we've sort of got a sense from the previous survey and the feedback that we got from it what people are actually interested in. So we do things like we'll take the content, we'll serialise it on our blog, and we can tell who's who's interested in – you know, what, what things have the most sort of resonance to them. Obviously, this year, the backdrop to everything was COVID. So we we really sort of challenged ourselves to think, All right well, People's appetite for anything other than COVID-related stuff is not that high at the moment. Yeah. Um, so, so and, and it turns out that there are lots of things that um, uh, that were heavily impacted by by COVID on the technology and and, and sort of operations front in multifamily. So, so you know, we, we we kind of went much lighter on the general outlook questions that we asked people, and we tried to focus in on technologies that we thought logically would have um, have changed. So, so, we we picked. I mean, we picked six technologies. When we talk about what changed in in 2020, we figured the the groupings of technologies that were probably going to have had the biggest um, uh, experience, the biggest COVID related change, would have been cybersecurity because everyone was working from home, um, smart building and smart home tech because everything was going contactless, you know, the natural appeal to, to 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 not having to deal with keys and getting people in and out of the buildings unaccompanied, that kind of thing. Um, on the same note, self-show. Um, everyone had to figure it out, all Right? Uh, AI leasing, I, I remember a year ago, we were calling for AI leasing being something, I know something that's near and dear to your heart, but something that would really find a mainstream market in, in 2020. And, and we, we figured COVID would only boost the need to have robots doing more of the leasing work. Um, CRM lead tracking, that was another area. and finally bi, another thing with uh, that, that's been a thing that's been on our radar for the last couple of years. Um, but uh, the fact that you had so many people working from home uh, needing to get access remotely to current information seemed to us to 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 be a natural thing that will prioritize bi initiatives. so that, those six things were the things that we that we really focused on from a uh, from a technology perspective this year.
0: That makes sense. It was interesting to me to read about AI leasing in the, in the uptake because I, I think I had that sort of general idea in my mind as well that there were – in 2019, there were a lot of – not a lot of, but a handful of early adopters that put the technology in place and certainly experienced some of the, the hiccups and the hurdles of going through that process. But it didn't seem to get the kind of uptake, at least according to the paper. Do you, What do you feel is the driving reason for that?
1: Yeah, I, I think that's one of the most interesting things about this this round of research because again, we, we were, uh, you know, we would have bet a substantial amount of our own money that this thing was going to go really really big in twenty twenty, um, based on the conversations that we had at the end of uh, uh, at the end of twenty nine. So, uh, you know, companies like like Radco, but also if you look at the, the what what ADB Avalon Bay and Equity have said public about what they they were doing with this, there there are some very strong success stories ai leasing it's not that difficult of a technology to implement right it's a, a much easier a lighter lift than doing like crm for example Certainly. um and and it's got a very obvious value prop right uh, you're either taking mundane tasks out of people's day or you're changing your leasing model like it, it just has this set of ingredients that just seem like this this has to go big in the um, uh, in the industry next year i mean i from from what I, I understand we spoke to several people who are either testing or have implemented it so it's it's really it's progressing quite quickly but not as quickly as we we thought it was and and the the, the, the interesting thing the, the, there are a couple of things i'll say about ai leasing one is that it was the only area in the white paper where we separated what technologists said from what operations leaders said, because the views were very, very different. Like the operators, uh, you would say, I I mean, the operators, it was either not a priority for them, or they were at some point in testing or implementing an off-the-shelf AI leasing project. When you talk to technologists, though, they have a much broader range of of views on it. they're sort of asking the question about, well, where does AI belong in our leasing process? Like if I'm a, a CIO who's just done a really substantial um, just transformation of our websites because I, uh, you know, the, my reaction to COVID is that I know people are doing even more of their research online. I want to build the maximum amount of trust in my websites. That's where I'm placing my bears. Well in that case do i do I really want to go to a separate leasing agent that 's kind of providing an alternative to that, or do I want to deploy AI to enhance the strategy that i 've already committed to like that that 's the kind of conversation that that technology people are, um, are having. But the other thing, though, we, we, we make this comment, people made a bit of a comeback in, in 2020. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the, the, the things that kind of caught our interest with that are, you know, when lockdown happened, everybody had to uh, had to offer self-guided tours, virtual tours, as well as some safe version of an Asian, Asian-driven tour. Of course, everybody took either a virtual or a, a self-guided tour at the start of it. Sure. Um, but come the summer, people were starting to opt for um, agent guided tours again. Now we don't know what's behind that. Like it might be heavily influenced by whoever picks up the phone and whatever they persuade the the, the prospect to do. It's probably quite likely that people were sick of being locked down by the summer and wanted to meet with people again. Uh, and the other thing is every uh, lots of leaders talked about how successful virtual tours have been, right the, the selfie tours, which depend on having a human at the you know in front of the other uh, end of the phone which feels to us like it's made people think a little bit differently about it's not so much how do i automate roles out of my organization it's it's much more about what should the model be how should we deploy people across these um uh, these prophecies and it's just made maybe made people Hold back a little bit um, uh, on, uh, or, or, or rethink the involvement of people in in, in leasing. That's the way I would characterize it.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think that what what it brings to mind for me, and I think you mentioned this in the paper, mapping out that consumer journey, soup to nuts, right, start to finish, and then starting to put technology in the areas where you think you're going to get the highest return ai being a part of that technology that you might have put put against some of those pieces so you still might automate some of that uh rote and routine work but it might not be in the area that we thought in our original thesis and enrolling that kind of technology into a to a leasing process
1: yeah exactly and we 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 do talk about that i mean since um we we haven't written about this we didn't write about it in the actual findings but since the uh since we released the the paper and based on the feedback that we've got and other work that we're doing at the moment, to be honest, I I, I think that leasing is going to change to a far greater extent than people think it is right now. I, I I know I I think a year ago people were thinking, how do I automate stuff and and, and you know ultimately maybe automate some roles out of the, the 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 business. I I think there are enough big companies that are working on a completely different leasing model from the one that we currently understand that I. Yeah, I, I think if we were looking at this two or three years from now, we, we might be looking at something that just doesn't work in at all the same way that it does today.
0: <clears throat> yeah, I, I definitely think so. Hopefully, we can discuss that in future episodes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, um, well, let's segue. I know that we're, we're trying to keep this to a 20 to 25-minute discussion. I, I want to make sure that we have enough time to talk about the top priorities for 2021. So maybe we can walk through... Uh, what you found, and then maybe elaborate on a few of those points before we wrap up here. Sure. Sure. What should we go next? Uh, I think, uh, so I'm looking at the top priorities for 2021. What will be different in 2021? So the work from home, obviously, starting at the top of those, uh, I think there were six or seven findings. Um, Maybe to talk about that a little bit.
1: Yeah, so 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 most people feel that the toothpaste is out of the tube or the the genie is out of the bottle or whatever whatever uh, analogy we we want to use for that. But uh, uh, I, I mean, you you do find some stories of uh, you know leaders who have not missed a day in the office since the whole thing started, and are kind of wondering what all the fuss is about, but. Uh, for, sure. for, for the most part, people have found, I mean, it's largely attributable to video conferencing like this, which ultimately we we got to do because Netflix had already solved for it previously, right? Um, sure. Because we have this medium now, um, that perception that you can't be productive unless you're sitting in a physical office has, has largely gone away for most people. So that kind of means that um, I mean, again, you get quite an interesting spectrum of views on that. You get uh, you get companies that are very well. We need to get back to normal by whenever. Most most of them are not like that. Most of them are more like our associates are demanding this of us, right? We 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 sort of need to to figure out a way to look after our talent while maximizing you know their productivity, and so we need some balance of, of these things. Um, well, one of the other things that we talked about was office space like a lot of people were talking about um, changing their use of uh, of office space you know people who have multiple locations across the country are, are sort of thinking do we still need all of them the the, the the theme that I heard to that was that people generally seem to think the nature of work like in person work is is going to change uh, to the to, to the general theme that um uh, the, the, the stuff that people will do together is a sort of high value collaborative work rather than the I'm just going to the office kind of work. So that kind of makes people think, right, well, maybe office layout should be a bit more hotel desking, hot desking like. And we need more space where collaborative stuff can happen because when people travel to the office, it's not going to be I fly in Monday, I fly out Friday. It's going to be I'm going to fly in for a day or two. And the time when I'm in the office, we're going to be doing stuff together that we can't do over Zoom, right? That's the uh, so, so that kind of makes people think. Well, the layouts are different. I, I, people are saying things like, if we want to, to to let go of some leases that we have, maybe we want to get rid of the places that are the furthest away from airports because again, if we think that getting together to collaborate is going to be a big theme, then that that becomes a bigger um, a bigger need for us. Um, but, but yeah, a lot, a lot of people are, are rethinking this and how it's uh, how it's going to work.
0: Yeah, you know, I think we are amongst that that group, and I think to your point about the collaboration, I think you know, sort of redefining our business model around the idea of meeting cadence right and so if there's a meeting cadence that requires in-person collaboration we we put that on a calendar and it's a standing meeting whether it be weekly or monthly or quarterly or annually and that would be where we would come together as opposed to uh, doing that in sort of a random fashion um, Mm -hmm. so i definitely think that's something here to say so you you mentioned something else in here um that i think is is probably an otherwise obvious point companies will get more stuff done more quickly as evidenced by the fact that we rolled self-guided tours out very rapidly as an industry. Um, Do you, do you see business models or did you see anything in your research that would suggest that other things are in the pipeline that would be advanced at that same accelerated pace? (laughs) And if so, what, what were they or are they?
1: Well, I think it's generally – so, so the, the, the two big examples, you've, you've touched on the big example from property, like self-guided tours was clearly the thing that got rolled out much more quickly than people are normally comfortable with. But The other, the other thing was things like Office 365, Microsoft Teams, like these things that have been on lots of companies' to-do lists for, for like a long time got rolled out very, very quickly. Um, lots of steps got skipped and um, uh, and – things worked out fine so at least at the time we were talking to people there were a lot of leaders who were bullish about right well now we want to get our people to just roll out the 70 percent solution right we did just roll out the 70 percent solution we'll fix the the, the rest once it's uh, once it's out there um, anything that's got a speed to market component to it seems to uh, uh, you know that 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 seemed to, to resonate um, particularly right so the trade-off between speed to market benefits and, you know, de-risking stuff through having a complete planning cycle—that that feels like it's sort of tipped a little bit in the favour of the, um, a uh, of, uh, of, uh, of speed to market. How long that stays around? I mean, it, it, you know, the, a, a lot of people are quite attuned to like the agile methodology, and that's very much the way that you you approach agile project delivery. So. Uh, you know, I'm I'm am hope, hopeful that that, that that people will 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 use it to be more productive. We'll we'll see.
0: You know, it's interesting because that I think that is a Silicon Valley moniker, right? That uh, you ship and iterate, right? You put it out there into the marketplace, and then you let the marketplace tell you what's wrong with it, and that's what you bring back to the table and and use to make in, improvements on the for it. And I I definitely think I I've been a big proponent of that. Even when we've rolled initiatives out here at Radco, it's like, yeah, I hear you, but let's just get it out. <laughs> Get it out there. It drives people crazy, especially those people that do not really love change. Uh, but but I have uh, I think the thing that we cannot look back on in the multifamily spaces or we can't uh, allow to happen anymore is that sort of creep methodology in that you got to have it perfect. It's got to be perfect before you roll it out. Uh, we've we've now proven to ourselves that we can roll things out <laughs> and fix it as we go along. So. um you, you One last point before we wrap up here, you say companies will look at technology platforms differently. What do you mean by that?
1: Yeah, well, so, so people um, if I compare this year's responses to the last couple of years, in multifamily, we tend to think about technology in terms of I'm rolling out this app, right? That, that tends to be the way that we, we think about it. People were talking about, particularly the technologies that affect leasing, people were talking about it differently. They were talking about it. I mean, we use the term in the in the white paper. We t- we talk about in other industries where like digital transformation is a is a thing, right? It, that yeah. that's a concept that doesn't really belong in in real estate, in in my view, for the for, for the most part. Um, but the way the, the kinds of things that you think about in a digital transformation, which is what, what is that? What what is the value being added by this process? How does it work? What bits of it can be replaced with with technology? Mm-hmm. That's the way lots of companies seem to be thinking about leasing right now. And I, the, the, the thing in particular that really caught our uh, our eye was that you know, self show became ubiquitous in the industry, but the overwhelming way of delivering self-show was through this very low-tech you know key on the stick kind of yeah. kind of uh, kind of model right it was we're going to shove a key in a map in a bag and we're going to leave it somewhere and but, you know that, that that was the thing that people had to figure out um really quickly and so what, what happened was without rolling out the technology people got a ton of experience in how to get people into their buildings how to book the tour how to coordinate picking up the stuff what constitutes a good self-guided tour once you're in the building, how to coordinate the follow-up, all of these pieces of this this process, they, they, they did this sort of manually. And a lot of the smart people that we spoke to were saying that, like, all right, we, we sort of know how this is supposed to work now. We know what the soup to nuts, like, uh, you know, from first awareness to, to closing the lease needs to look like. Now we want to go figure out what bits of technology need to be plugged into it. A, a really good data point on this, self-show became you, self show technology did not right, yeah. there are lots of technologies that enable self show you know like um you know, access control would be the most the most obvious one some of the lead follow up on which there was a lot of movement this year but this was absolutely not something that made people think all right well we need to go Get a uh, get a get a touring app to, to to help us do that. That was that was not the reaction that people had to this, which is a sort of a, a very different reaction from the way that we're uh, uh, we used to hear and talk people talk about the stuff.
0: That makes sense. Dom, I, I know we're right up against our stop time, and I, I definitely appreciate you being our first guest here. I definitely appreciate you talking about this stuff. I could talk about it all day with you. But uh, where can people find you? Uh, and then I'll link up the link to the uh, the actual report itself in case there are people out there in the marketplace that haven't seen it yet. Yeah, people- yeah sure. Well,
1: the, um, the easiest way to, to find the white paper is to go to the 20 for 20 page, which is. Uh, d2demand.com forward slash 20 for 20. Um, and then you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Dom Beveridge. Um, yeah. And uh, or just go to the D2 website.
0: Excellent. Thank you so much, Dom. Take care. Have a great day. Always Bye a pleasure. Now. Thanks, Mike. Bye. Bye.